It is a, uh, an honor to uh, open God's Word with you tonight, and if you have a copy of God's Word with you, um, turn with me to the book of Acts. We will be in Acts chapter 10 this evening. Acts chapter 10 is where we will spend our time and uh, look forward to that. March two years ago, so not this past March, but the year before that, my 18-year-old daughter and myself flew to New York City for a couple of purposes. Um, I knew she was going to spend the summer up there helping church plants in the uh, metro area. I wanted to go up there and meet the couple who were over the ministry to uh, make sure that they were who they said they were because my 18-year-old daughter was going to be up there and she wanted to go up there kind of as a senior trip and to see a certain play. So we went and they were who they were supposed to be. We saw the play and we were to get on an airplane on Friday morning of that week and be back in Memphis, Tennessee in about two hours. Well, we woke up, got a text from Delta stating that our flight was canceled. Come to the ticket counter. So we got to the ticket counter and they said, we don't have a flight anywhere close to there until Sunday night at 9.30. And I said, no, I'm supposed to preach at two Baptist churches in Mississippi on Sunday, so therefore that's not going to work. We went and got a car, and we made some memories. Yes, 19 and a half hours of straight memories. We got in the car, put the bags in, put the the destination, which was home, in the GPS, and we started out through New York City. And we got to this place, and maybe you found yourself there physically before, and maybe in your life at this moment, this might be where you find yourself in life. But the GPS said that we were supposed to be in a certain lane, going in a certain direction, but at that instant there were five options it looked like we were exactly where we were supposed to be but in the middle of new york city as we were trying to get through there we went straight when we were supposed to make a right and the gps went from 18 hours to 19 and a half hours and i said that's okay I'll just get off at the next exit, we'll do a U-turn, and we'll be good. The next exit was over a body of water and a state away. So we kept going. And we made those memories for, it wasn't 19 and a half because I made up some time. I repented of those speeds, but <laughs> we made it home alive, both of us, okay? 
I tell you that because I think most of us in the room, we've had some moments like that. But I also tell you that because I think that First Baptist Saltilla is on the right road. What, what you're doing this week and other weeks is, is, is right in step, I believe, with what God wants all of us to be about and to be doing. And maybe, to a degree, you might say, Brian, you're preaching to the choir. Amen. Choir members need to be preached to sometime about what they're singing and how they're singing and how you and I are living as believers, sons and daughters of the King. So, if you have a copy of God's Word, Acts chapter 10, we start right in the middle of the story, the account of Peter and a man by the name of Cornelius. Verse number 24 and following tells the second half of this account. The first half of the account starts, we'd have to start back in Acts chapter 10, but your pastor said I only had 72 minutes, so just kidding. Peter is in one city, he's in Joppa. Cornelius is in another city, and God is speaking to both of them at the same time. Peter is being spoken to by the Spirit of God in a vision, in a dream. A sheet falls down. On that sheet are some unclean animals. And God tells him to rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, I've never done that, nor will I ever. And so to get through Peter Tillman's thick skull, my last name's Tillman, thick skull, he had to do it three times. And he said, okay, I think I get what you're trying to tell me. At the same time, in Caesarea, God had been speaking to a man by the name of Cornelius and said, hey, you've got these questions, you want to be a part of this, you need to go get this man by the name of Peter, and you need to get him to come to your house. And so um, Cornelius sends from Caesarea over to Joppa, where Peter was, some men to say, hey, go get him and bring him back here. The next day, verse 23 states, the next day he rose and went away with them, the men that came from Cornelius' house. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Peter lifted him up saying, uh, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, Why? You sent for me. Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at night the hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in a house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore... We are all here in the presence of God to hear 
all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Heavenly Father, as we spend some time this evening in this passage, God, as we look at your word and we ask that you would uh, remind us afresh and anew your heart, God, your desire for, for us as individuals, for us as a body of believers, a faith family. Father, remind us that, that you have sheep outside these walls and outside even this faith family's flock that need to hear about you. God, might we continue to go where you call us to go and, Father, do what you've called us to do. Lord, as we look at this passage, Father, would you speak and would you draw us close to you? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Three thoughts of, of missions, three thoughts of being on the right road, going in the right direction, spiritually speaking, as a faith family and as individual members of that faith family. The first is this, God is working all around us. I, I know that that is somewhat of a cliché statement that is somewhat of a statement that everybody remembers way back in the day when Henry Blackaby put it in the first chapter of his book, Experiencing God, and he stated it. It's become famous because of that, but it is so true that God is working all around us. He's working in Saltillo. He's working in the neighborhoods where you've been serving and where you continue to serve. He's working um, in the convenience stores, in the restaurants, at the school, at the job site where you and I go every single day. God is working all around us. It is not a generic term. It is a special, distinct, honest statement. He's working. Are you and I calm down enough? Are you and I believing Him? Are you and I willing to join in the work? I gave you a very brief synopsis of those first 22 verses. But God was working in Joppa with Cornelius, and God was working, excuse me, in, in Joppa with Peter, and Caesarea with Cornelius, and he is working all around those two men, and he is working all around us. He was answering Cornelius' prayers and actions at the same time that he was trying to show Peter that bacon and shrimp and lobster were great to eat. He was telling Peter that there is some great surf and turf, and Peter's like, no, I'm a lamb, chicken, and beef guy. And God said, no, you need to understand these things are clean as well. Later in life, Peter would write these words in his second epistle where he states this about God and His work. He said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, 
but He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God was working in Peter's life in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus, right before He ascended back to the Father, told Peter and the others standing around Him, those disciples now apostles, He says, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You shall be my witnesses in Judea. You shall be my witnesses in Samaria. You shall be my witnesses even to the end of the earth. God is working. Was Peter just making himself available to join in God's work? Are you, am I, are we making ourselves available to join in the work? You and I need to continue to have our minds and our hearts in the frame that God loves the people here in Saltillo. The people that go to the same places that we go to. The people that don't go to the same places that we go to. The people who look like us and talk like us and the people that don't look like us and don't talk like us, God loves those people. And He is working in and amongst those people. And He is desiring us to join in the work. Will you and I join in the work? Will you and I start the conversation and allow that conversation and take that conversation deeper than the surface to the needs of the people? As we're running the chainsaw, as we're washing the windows, looking at the gutters, taking care of the pressure washing, the yard work, the painting, will we also take the serious things? He's working all around us. Might you and I just see that He's working and might you and I join in? Second thought from this, not just that God's working all around us, but second thought from this passage for us this evening to understand is this, that if we understand that He's working all around us, personal changes must occur if we are going to go with God. Personal changes had to happen in Peter's life if he was going to go from Joppa to Caesarea. As Baptists and as bacon lovers, we get off and get stuck sometimes stating that the whole thing was about him enjoying bacon and shrimp. That's really not what God was trying to get Peter to understand. He was trying to get him to obey what he had already told him. He had already told him in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I read it for us, that, hey, you're going to be my witness. You're going to be my witness where? In Jerusalem? You're going to be my witness in all Judea? You're going to be my witness in Samaria? He's spreading them out. And you're going to be my witness even to the ends of the earth. And Peter and the others were like, no, we're comfortable right here in Jerusalem, God. We're okay. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 
God tells them to go. Then in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, he says, all right, if you're not going to go, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send some persecution. And there's this guy named Saul who is going to ravage the church. And the other believers got it and they scattered. But those leaders, yeah, those hard-headed guys, they stayed right where they were. Right around Jerusalem. And God's trying to tell Peter, hey, there are things that you need to do outside of this place. But if you're going to go with me, you've, you personally, you've got to make some changes. And personally, those changes aren't just physically, you've got to get up and go. We'll get there in a second, but spiritually, you have to get up and go. Because there's this man that's praying and I've got to answer his prayer and I'm going to answer his prayer and his name's Cornelius and you've got to go see him. So spiritually, Peter had to make the change. And he states it there in Acts 10. We read it just a moment ago. He walks into the room. Cornelius bows down and worships him and he said, no, 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 you need to stand up. I'm just a guy like you are. And then... He's like, so why am I here? You know it's unlawful for a Jew to be here. I'm not even supposed to be talking with you. I'm not supposed to be in your house, but God told me i got to be here, so therefore, why am I here? Spiritually, Peter had to change to go. My question for us this evening is, what, what are the changes that have to happen in between your left ear and your right ear for you to go where God wants you to go. I, I don't think that the biggest change in Acts chapter 10 was the distance between Joppa and Caesarea. The physical difference of community or city. I, I don't think that was the largest change. I believe the change that had to happen was was spiritually, emotionally, mentally had to believe God. They had to trust God. Peter had to trust God. The others that were in Joppa that went with him had to trust God. That it was him saying, hey, you need to go talk to this guy. What's the change that needs to happen in this faith family's thoughts, in this faith family's actions to be where God wants you to be. Peter couldn't stay in Joppa and be where God wanted him to be. You and I can't stay inside the four walls, and you're doing it this week. I, I know, I'm preaching to the choir. I get it. If you want more choir members, come, tell them to get here. But you and I must personally make changes if we are going to go where God wants us to go. The spiritual move to reach those that are not here, but are all around us, those that need to hear the gospel, the great news that Jesus loves them right where they are, that He died for them, He paid the price for them, just as He's paid the price for you and me. 
but also the physical move. I stated that I thought the largest move was probably spiritually, but there also is this physical move that Peter had to go and move from this place to that place to be where God wanted him to be. You're doing it. The opportunities, are, some are still on the wall. A number of them have already been filled and celebrated over in this room. Might it continue? Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, understand that there are steps that God wants you to take and take the next one. Peter understood it. Finally, he was hard-headed. He finally got through and he takes that step. There's a third reminder for us this evening, and it's this. Not only that God's working everywhere, and you and I have got to change if we're going to go where God is or where God wants us to go, there is a sign that is shown for all of us as we travel the road. Back in the passage in verse number 34 down through verse number 42, this sign is seen. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that they sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. And we are witnesses of all. We are witnesses of all that He did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put Him to death by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him on the third day and made Him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one who appointed the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Every single one of us are in need of a Savior. There are two groups of people. In the passage, there are two groups of people. There are these Gentiles and there are the Jews and we're thankful that God saw fit to come to the Gentiles, right? I believe everybody in the room's a descendant of us Gentiles, right? We're thankful that the gospel came to the Gentiles. We're thankful for Peter and others who took the gospel to the Gentiles. Thankful for Paul when God changed him. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. We're thankful. But I think there are two other groups of people. Two groups of people that we come in contact with on a daily or weekly basis. We, we come into contact with people that are saved and lost. The people who are saved are no better than the people who are lost. The people who are saved are no greater than the people who are lost. 
The people who are saved are just like the people who are lost, except they have accepted the gift of salvation from the Savior. You know, when uh, your pastor was introducing me and talking about people going to, uh, to sleep during the uh, sermon, my first thought was, uh, when I got saved, I was a, uh, I was a young boy um, 40 years ago now. I'm 49, so I was 9 years old. And, uh, and every Sunday, I heard one of, if not the greatest preacher of his day every Sunday. I sat on the fourth row, Bellevue Baptist Church, downtown Memphis, before they moved out. And after I got called to ministry, I had the opportunity to go back to and spend some time with Dr. Rogers. And I told Dr. Rogers, I said, Dr. Rogers, uh, I don't think you're that great of a preacher because you put me to sleep like every Sunday. He didn't think it was as funny as I did. No, we had a good laugh about it. And he was thankful for where, what God was doing and what God had done. So, the sign here, the sign that a pastor sees in a life, the sign that believers are doing what God wants them to do is this, seeing the difference, the saved and the lost, the two groups of people, and the need for the gospel to go to both groups of people. If those in the room of you and me, ourselves, we are saved, we still need the gospel. The gospel is not just for those that are lost. The gospel is for you and me because what Jesus did for you, you've accepted that, I've accepted that, and you and I need to understand it and need to rest in it every single day because it gives hope. His death, burial, and resurrection for your sins and my sins, His payment for your transgressions and my transgressions gives life for every moment of every day. And it reminds us of the person in front of us and behind us at Walmart or Kroger or the convenience store. It reminds us of the person that pulls out in front of us and then just pulls up and stops right there in front of us that we want to just... It's like, no, that person and the person sitting behind this steering wheel needs the gospel. And how you respond and I respond is to be different. And we see it. And we're to live that out every single day. So my challenge to all of us is this, as we take those sheets of paper down tomorrow and Friday and we go to the yards and the homes and we go to the convenience store or the workplace or the group of friends around the pool, remember that you need the gospel as much as they do. Speak the gospel to yourself. Believe. Share the gospel. Share the love of Christ with them. And do what it states there in Acts that Peter says he was supposed to do. We're to be witnesses. 
What's a witness? A witness is one who talks about what they've experienced. Period. They talk about what they've been a part of. They've talked about what they've seen, what they've heard. They talk about the change that has happened inside of them. And if there is that change inside of them, it shows. It shows. It showed in Peter's life. It's to show in your life and my life. And it is a reminder of how great our God is and how much He loves us.